we're going to look at the mission and the purpose of Great Hills Baptist Church. And I'm so glad that you're here today. My name is Danny Forshee. I'm the lead pastor here at Great Hills. I don't normally sound like this, but when I have a cold or allergies or whatever it is that I have, I sound like this and I'm drinking lots of, of liquids and taking all kinds of stuff. So I'm, I'm a little bit airy-headed up here, but uh, y'all, y'all bear with me and stay with me. It's, I just could not... I just had to go to work today. You know, you know what I'm saying? You have those days, you're like, I've got to be there today. And I just, just was so excited about this first Sunday uh, of the year. And so thank you for, for bearing with me as I, as I sound this, this badly. But uh, it is so good to be here. I hope you had a great holidays. I'm glad to see you back in church worshiping the Lord on this first Sunday of the new year. If you're just happy to be alive and you just say, you know, I'm just grateful to God that I am here. Can you just say hallelujah or amen or something? Amen. God bless you. Glad you're here. It's an exciting time in the life of our church. Over these next uh, few weeks, uh, Terry alluded to it earlier, we're going to be sharing some things with you that your staff has been working on for about nine months. Really in March of last year, we started really working hard to how can we best study and evaluate our church and present our church in a way that when people come to Great Hills, they just sense the power of God. They sense no uh, man-made impediments or barriers. They just sense the power and the presence of God. And what can we do, all that we can do with our facilities, with our, with our brand, with our marketing, with our logos, with all of those things, what can we do to help prepare people when they come off the street of Austin when they come into Great Hills Baptist Church, they could sense, hey, these people love God. These people love one another, and I'd love to be a part of that. You know, there's a commercial running in, in Austin, and I kind of chuckle every time because it's just typical Austin, Texas commercial. And I can't remember completely the, 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 the hospital that it's talking. I think it's St. David's Hospital, but it has this exciting commercial, and it says, you live in the best city in America. And I'm like, yes, yes. And by the way, guys, We're very blessed to live in Austin, Texas. I mean, God has really favored you and me to be able to live in this city, in this great state. But anyhow, back to the commercial. It says, you live in the greatest city in America and you expect the best in everything. I was like, whoa. You know, that's, that's actually true. Because they live in such a great city, people, they expect, they expect the best. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 16, 7 that Man looks at the outward appearance, but God does what? God looks at the heart. That's exactly what the Bible says. And so over the last nine or ten months, we have been unpacking that as man looks at the outward appearance, what do they see? What does somebody see when they look at you at work or when they look at you at the college, the university, or the high school, or the middle school? When they look at you and me in our neighborhoods and they know that we are followers of Christ, what do, what do they see? Well, You know, as a pastor, I've always loved the second part of that verse, right? Because God looks at the heart, you know, or about those temporary things and those things of the eyes, you know, that fades away. But man, God looks at the heart. But over these last few months, it has become very clear to me that the first part of that verse is equally as inspired as the second part. That it is a matter of fact that man judges us and looks at us on the outside. So we as followers of Christ and in our church, we need to do everything in our power so that when we engage someone 
maybe even for the very first time, somebody walks in our doors here at Great Hills. You never know what grandmother has been praying and crying out to God for that one lost sheep that was coming into our building today. That granddad who's been on his knees praying for uh, that young millennial grandson of his, and, and he decided today to walk in the doors of Great Hills Baptist Church. What will he see? What will he experience? What will it be like to come into our presence into a church here in Austin, Texas? Well, that's what we've really been looking at and working on, and we're real excited, truly, over the next four weeks I, I got the privilege of unveiling some brand new something at, at Great Hills. Today, I'm going to show you about halfway through the sermon, we have a brand new logo. We don't have the sunshine with the radiance going outward, whatever that thing is. I mean, I, I was good with it for seven years, but we needed a change. And so we have a new logo, and you're going to see it in a few minutes, and it's going to be on all of our materials. It's going to be on a brand new monument sign out front. I'm going to have a sign out there and a sign over here. We're going to have lots of signage and lots of things coming. But today, we're going to just look at our mission. You say, why is mission so important? Well, mission gives clarity. Mission gives our objective. It's very vital. It's absolutely vitally important that every organization, whether it's a business, a team, a church, a family, Everybody has a purpose or a mission statement. Now, when you go to the Bible, and by the way, in the midst of lots of change and lots of things are fluid and we're moving things around and, and hopefully that we present this to you and you will love it and like it and invite your friends to come and see it. But there's one thing that does not change, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are preaching the gospel. We are preaching the word of God. We strongly believe in the inerrancy and in the sufficiency of the Word of God. And so we are going to continue verse by verse preaching the Word of God, except for the month of January. I'm going to be preaching the Bible, but this month we're going to look at, for example, today we're going to look at mission. Next week we're going to look at our vision. The next week we're going to look at our, um, our, our pathway, how we're going to to just go in this direction that God is, is given us. So I, I'm really excited Mission, vision, values, and pathway. Those are the four things that we're going to be really studying and looking at, and I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. So what was Jesus' mission statement? Do you know he had one? Jesus Christ had a mission statement. He had a, he had a vision, if you will. He had a purpose. He had a plan. And it's clearly spelled out for us in the New Testament. And when you go to the Gospels, and today we're going to go to Luke chapter 19. If you'll turn in your Bibles, I'd love for you to look at Luke 19 with me today. We're going to look at the purpose statement of Jesus Christ. It's always important for us, especially as a church, to kind of refresh and go back and say, you know, who was Jesus and why did he come? Who am I and why am I here? And so when you ask these questions about our mission and our purpose, it gives clarity. It gives alignment. It gives just this crystal clear, oh, this is what we are to be about. And when we clear to define what we are about, that also helps us to define what we're not about, right? And so we're going to look at Luke 19. I can't help but just read the whole, the whole text to you, 1 through 10. But as I do, I want you to just, just walk through this text with me today. And really it has this culminating, powerful, crescendo 
just this movement in chapter 19, verse 10. And in verse 10, you will see spelled out very clearly why Jesus Christ came to planet Earth. We just celebrated his birth. In a few weeks, we're going to be celebrating his death and resurrection. Really, every Sunday we celebrate that. But, you know, Easter is coming. But why did he come? Well, Luke 19 tells us why, especially in verse 10. But he has his purpose. And Jesus Christ leaves the glory and the beauty of heaven to be born in a feed trough in earth, on earth, in Bethlehem. And for 28 plus years, I mean, he is, you know, living his life as a carpenter and, you know, there in Nazareth doing what, uh, what he's to be doing. I mean, he is earning a living. But when 30 comes and he's baptized, the Holy Spirit of God comes on him. And Jesus Christ, he starts living out that mission statement, that purpose. And here it is, to seek and save the lost. That's why he came. That is the reason why Jesus Christ came to this earth, because God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God so loved you that he did not, listen to this, he loved you so much, he did not want to spend eternity without you. But there was a problem. We're sinful. So how are we as sinful human beings going to reach a holy awesome, magnificent God. The only way we can do it is God has to come down to us and pull us up. And that's what he did. And it's so good for us to be reminded. Here we are 2,000 years later. What is Jesus' mission statement? It's the same. What is the mission of the church? It's still the same. And that is to seek and save the lost. Now, we can't save anybody, right? But we sure can. We can seek them and introduce them to the one who can, the Savior. So let's look at the text. It's 19, 1 through 10. I'm going to walk you through the text. And then when I do that, we're going to pass out a brand new pamphlet we've been working on. We want you to look at it, take it home with you. And then I'll continue the rest of my, my message. Then Jesus entered and he passed through Jericho. Now, by the way, he's on his way to Jerusalem. This is toward the end of his life, really, the end of his ministry. As we're nearing the end of the Gospel of Luke, Jesus Christ is passing through Jericho. And Jericho is a Austin city, can I just say. Of all the cities in the New Testament that remind me of my city, it's this city of Jericho. You say, well, I only know Jericho for one reason. That Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, marched around six times, six days, on the seventh day, seven times, and the walls came. Man, you Bible scholars, you, that's good. And the walls came a-tumbling down. That Jericho, oldest city, some, some archaeologists, some people believe it's the oldest city in antiquity. And in May, we're going to get to see it. We may have to look at it from a distance because of the Palestinian and Arab conflict with Israel. And last time I was over in Israel, I got to see it from a distance, and we'll do it again in May. It's a, pro it's a prominent city in the Old Testament, and now here it is in the New Testament. Let me tell you why. It reminds me of Austin. It's because it was a very wealthy city, very affluent city, very educated city. The climate in Jericho was, was great, is great. So much so that Herod the Great built a winter palace in Jericho because of the good climate. Now, y'all know that there are some people up north that are hurting right now, right? Did y'all check your weather forecast today? 60s, later on, it's going to be 70. We're just really suffering, right? <laughs> Amen. <coughs> I told you, we live in a great city. You could be in Minneapolis, so put a smile on your face, okay? 
Nothing against the Twin Cities. No emails, please, please, please. It's all good. I'm just joking, all right? But I love Austin, Texas. It is great climate. We have a great economy, great industry. I mean, this is a happening, bustling, metropolitan area. And Jesus, he was walking through an area just like that. And then in verse 2, it says, Behold, there was a man. His name was Zacchaeus. And he was not just a tax collector. Look at this adjective. He was, say it with me, church. He was a chief, chief tax collector. And I can't see the rest of it. Verse 2, what does it say? He was a chief tax collector. And he was rich, right? He was. And again, he's not just a tax collector, he's chief. And because he's chief, he has people working underneath him. And everything they sell, he gets a little bit of the profit. You with me? He's wealthy. And he sought to see, well, by the way, a tax collector is not cool. If you're a Jew working for the Romans to extrapolate taxes from your own countrymen, that is, a, that is not a good thing. And because of that, Zacchaeus is deeply hated. In fact, the Talmud says that thieves, robbers, and murderers are in the same category as tax collectors. That's, that's what they thought about him. So he's ostracized by community. Not many people like him. I'm sure this, his colleagues, his tax collecting buddies, they, they get along well. But Zacchaeus is a wealthy man, but he's a lonely man. And I know a lot of people like that in Austin, Texas. Wealthy people, affluent people, highly educated people, but there is a God-shaped hole in us that only Jesus Christ can fill. No amount of education, no amount of relationships, no amount of money can... Augustine, the Bishop of Hippo in North Africa... One of the greatest of the early church fathers who died in AD 430, he said this. He said, mankind, we are restless until we find our rest in God. And when we find our rest in God, then we are satisfied. We understand our purpose for life. We understand our mission for life is that we have a relationship with God and we try to bring as many people as we can into that same relationship. Now, I like Zacchaeus for a lot of reasons, and this is one of them. Blessing, he's blessing him. He's vertically challenged. Here we go. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but he could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. It's a nice way of saying it, right? He's short. <clears throat> Can't see people in front of him. So what is he going to do? He ran ahead, climbed up into a sycamore tree, and if you've seen these, you'll notice that they are low-hanging branches on the tree. Easily scalable. You can climb them pretty easily. And so Zacchaeus climbs up in the tree to see him, for Jesus was going to pass that way. Okay, here it is, verse 5. One of the really tremendous verses in all the 66 books of canonical Scripture. Luke 19.5 is just one of those verses. I heard one pastor say one time, this is where the beauty kisses the beast. The beauty of Jesus will kiss the beastliness and the sinfulness of Zacchaeus. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked and he saw. Can we just keep that there for just a second? He said, well, you know, the Bible does that a lot. Why does the Bible do that a lot? It'll tell you what it's saying, and it'll tell you again what it just told you. I'm so glad for people like me that the Bible repeats itself. But maybe... It's doing it, it, it's accentuating it for a reason. They really want you to get this. What's the difference of looking and seeing? Not much. Jesus looked 
He saw him and he said to him. Now, Jesus is on purpose, right? He's on mission. This is why he came. He wasn't about to go through Jericho and not fulfill the purpose for which God the Father sent him. God the Father sent him to rescue the Zacchaeuses of the world. You with me? By the way, that's still his mission. Jesus' mission is still to seek and to save your lost neighbors, your lost colleagues, your lost family, my lost family, neighbors and friends. And so Jesus Christ, he said, Zacchaeus, Woo! everybody loves to hear their name, all right? When you're witnessing to somebody, you're sharing the gospel with somebody, just make sure you hear their name and repeat their name. Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. Why does Jesus tell him to come down? Where is he? He's in a tree. Isn't that kind of funny? You know, just think about it. Just a minute. Jesus and Zacchaeus had a conversation in a tree. You know there's a lot of people, right? Why do we know there's so many people? Because he couldn't see, right? There's so many people, he's, I can't see. So he's in a tree. Jesus says, today, I must. That's a powerful word. It's the same word, D-E-I in Greek, die. It's a word of great constraint and obligation. When Jesus said in John 3, marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. It's the same word, okay? And Jesus said, I must stay at your house. Talking about being intentional, Jesus not only called him by his name, but he also said, I'm coming to your house today, you know? That's pretty bold, right? I mean, I'm here for a purpose, for a mission, and I'm not going to miss you, Zacchaeus. I'm coming to your house today, coming to your house. Tell the missus, get ready. You're having company. The Son of God is coming to your house today. So Zacchaeus made haste. It means he hurried up, and he got out of the tree, and he, oh, I love this. He received Jesus joyfully. Verse 6 is one of the most exquisite verses in the Bible. And verse 7 is one of the most excruciatingly painful verses in the Bible. That's a lot like life, isn't it? Life is one moment, it's joyful and it's beautiful and it's glowing. And then with just in a moment's time, just in a breath, things can change dramatically. And they change for Zacchaeus dramatically. Conjunction, junction, what's your function? Here it is. But, however, nevertheless, on the other hand, they saw it. Now, the antecedent for they, if you look at it within its context, they are always there. They are always there. They are the religious people, the scribes, the lawyers, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the, the council, the religious people. And by the way, they're still there. When we go to Israel in a few months, you will see them. They have these long beards and they have these scowls on their faces. They are the ultra-Orthodox Jewish rabbis. And they're scary looking. They were then, they are now. They're so religious. Now, now hold on just a second. When Jesus in the New Testament, when you watch him, he spent very little time with these people. And really the only time he spent with them, he was rebuking them. Unless it was Nicodemus. Check that out. Number two, Jesus spent a lot of time with hurting people, Zacchaeus people, woman at the well people, people who, the rich young ruler people. Jesus spent lots of time with them, but he spent the majority of his time with his disciples because he had to train them and show them how to deal with people like Zacchaeus who are ready to receive him. So Jesus, he, he, he's very, he's pretty strong 
against religious people who don't do their job, who are keeping people out of heaven and sending them to hell. And by the way, Jesus hadn't changed. And if our religion ever becomes so to the point that we're not welcoming people and sharing the gospel with people, but we're stiff-arming people, then all of those rebukes that Jesus gave to the Pharisees then, they apply to us today. Thank you. (laughs) But when they saw it, they all complained. It's something about religious people. They complain a lot. There's always something to complain about. Instead of being grateful to God that I'm saved, I'm going to heaven, I live in Austin, Texas, come on. I always got to find something to complain about. Something there, her, him, it, whatever, they complain. And they said, ah, he's going to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. You know what? They're right. Zacchaeus was a sinner. Could the same be said about me and you? He's gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. How many sinner friends do we have? We mostly are in our holy huddles, right? We mostly hang out with people just like us, but Jesus didn't. He spent a large amount of his time with the Zacchaeus. Remember the lady washing his feet with tears? Remember the woman at the well? Remember all these encounters in the New Testament? Jesus spent all this time. Why do you say, it's like he's on a mission, it's like he's, he's got to save everybody. It's like he is just passionate for souls. That's exactly right. And that's our job. That's our mission. That's our passion is that we find the Zacchaeuses. We find the women at the well. We don't spend a lot of time with the religious mean people. We just say, get right with God. God bless you. But I got to go find the lost. Jesus said, who among you has a hundred sheep? And if one gets out of the corral, will you not go and pursue him until you get him in the fold, right? Did Jesus not say that in Matthew 18 and in Luke 15? Yes, he did. Zacchaeus stood and he said, all right, scene changes, moves out of the realm of the Pharisees and the scribes, and he goes into the house of Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus doesn't debate the Pharisees. He's like, I know I'm a sinner. I'm a big-time sinner. Because when I go to my Jewish people and I say, you owe 100, let's say, denarii to Rome, they really owe 50. He takes 50, puts it in his pocket. I mean, he's got a job. He takes 50, puts it in his pocket, and then he gives 50 to Rome. The Jews know he's doing it. He knows they know he's doing it. He doesn't care. He's, he's making a killing. And then he's got all these other little Zacchaeuses underneath him, and they're filling his coffers full. But he says to Jesus, look, I'm tired of that life. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. You know, sin can only give you so much, right? All the money, all the sex, all the popularity, all the toys, all of those things can only satisfy you so much because Augustine was right. Our hearts are deeply restless until they find their rest in God. And Zacchaeus says, look, Lord, here it is. I give half of my goods to the poor. He's repenting, by the way. And if I have taken anything from anybody by false accusation, I restore it fourfold. By the way, the law says that's what you're supposed to do in cases of outright theft. You check it out in the Torah, the law, you restore fourfold, and he does that. You see what Zacchaeus is doing? He's going, I'm sorry. 
I am sinful, and I've done people wrong, and I just want you to please forgive me, Jesus. And here's Jesus' response. Today. Oh, what a text, church. What a text. Today, this very day, salvation. Can we all say that word on the count of three? That's just something beautiful about that word. On the count of three, just say the word salvation. Ready? One, two, three. Salvation. salvation. Oh, I love that word salvation, to be rescued, to be saved out of our sin, our misery, a devil and his demons hell, to be rescued out of that. Jesus said, today it happened for you, young man. It happened to you today. Salvation has come. Hey, everybody, everybody in Zacchaeus's house, listen up. He got it. He gets it. Salvation has come. Not only has he repented of his sin, but he's a son of Abraham. Whenever you call somebody a son of Abraham, you, you could not give them a much more lofty compliment. When you say a son of Abraham, read Galatians 3, 8, when it says, And God said to Abraham, Because you believe, I impute to you righteousness. And to everybody who believes, God imputes righteousness to them because they believe. Not because they earn not because they work for it, but they just receive God's salvation. And so, man, they're just having a holy hoot nanny party right there on Jericho Street. I mean, Zacchaeus, today you've been saved because you are a son of Abraham. And here it is. Shazam! Here it is. For all to hear me, maybe Jesus just stood up, maybe even walked outside. Maybe there's people peering into the house. He said, I just want you all to know something. This is why I came. I came to seek and to save all the lost. That's his mission statement. That's his purpose. Are you a follower of Christ today? You say, well, yes, I am. I've been following Jesus for many, many years, Brother Danny. Me too. If Jesus' mission statement is to seek and save the lost, what do you think our mission statement is? <laughs> well, it's to fellowship, meat, fried chicken, amen, right? It's, it's to hang out with my, my Christian buddies. No. Jesus' mission was to seek out lost people, save them, bring them into relationship with God. And guess what? That's our mission too. Thank you for coming today. God bless you. That's, that's really the sermon right there. But I promised you I'd show you something, so i got to show you something. I'm a man of my word. And I said I'd show you something new. We want to show you something really cool. So, guys, I think we got some ushers and people going to help me pass out a brand-new brochure. We're going to have a brand-new logo for Great Hills, some little upward movement here. And so take a minute, and I'll go through this with you. Yeah, we can put it on the screen if you guys want to put it on the screen. This is our cool, clean logo. Kind of represents, speaks to us of who we are, an upward, upward in worshiping church. It's no longer going to be the, the ambiguous sunshine and radiance thing, but it's going to be, it's going to be this. We're going to give you a, a brochure. And on the, in this brochure, I want you to take it. And on the front, it's just got a family just hanging out, enjoying life. And on the back... 
It has a note from me, and basically it's my sermon that I'm preaching today. So you don't have to read this. I'm not going to give you a pop test on it. Maybe not. (laughs) I'm not. I just want you to take it and read over it because this spells out for us really who we are. We are a church that is on mission. We're involved in an amazing movement that God is doing all over this planet, and we get to have a piece of this. So we want you to have this. Next week, we're going to reveal something else pretty cool to you. And then the next two weeks, going to be even some more things we're going, to, we're going to show you. But I want you to have this. I want you to check it out and look at that with me for just a moment. So as a pastor, I, I get the great joy and the privilege. Even though I don't feel good, I feel good in my spirit. I feel good in my heart. Can I just tell you all something? I have never been more optimistic and excited about pastoring a church than I am right now in my life and in my ministry this very day. I've been pastoring now since, I, oh my word, I was 19 years old when I took my first church as, a, as an interim pastor. I'm 32 today, and so I've, I've been pastoring for a few years. So <laughs> Now I'm 53, to, uh, and, and in my, I'm in my eighth year here at Great Hills, and I'm telling you, church, in 2018, I have never been more optimistic and excited than I am right now. And by the way, I meant to say this in, in the very beginning of my sermon, but Tom Cruise, Ethan Hunt just got me. I just want to sincerely thank you, thank you, thank you. 2017 was a great year. We, we were able to plant a brand new church, and in a couple of weeks, they're going to launch that church live. And I'm going to run up there at 10 o'clock and say hey to them, take a picture and run back here. Well, actually, I'm going to get in my car, all right? I like to run, but not that much, okay? I'll take a picture, and I'll come show it to you. And here's the cool thing. Even after planting a church and sending out dozens of our solid, good, godly, giving people, our church is larger now than we were before we did it. That don't make sense. That's kind of God's, God's mathematics. I call it God's economy, God's arithmetic. God just, that's just God, okay? Also, last year, and by the way, if you ever go plant a church, just let me let you know something. It's very expensive, okay? And we've spent uh, a lot of money on this church plant. And when we closed the books just a few days ago on 2017, there was a time we were like $500,000 undergiven for the year. And I was like, Lord, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to stress out. I'm not going to freak out. Great Hills has seen me freak out for seven years. And every year, God, you come through. So, Lord, I'm just trusting you. I'm going to tell you all something. I was tempted to freak out. Okay, can I just tell you all something? I got some temptation to freakiness in me, and I, I, but I resisted. I said, God, I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you. And here we come at the end of the year, and given about $4 million or so, Terry, something like that, when we bring in all the monies, we came up like $50,000 under given. That's it. That's after planning a church. It's, it's amazing. It's amazing. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Great Hills. Thank you. No, I'm serious. That just doesn't happen. You don't make up $500,000 in a month unless somebody, a bunch of bodies say, as my church, 
My church needs me, and I'm going to write this check. I don't know who you are. I really don't. But God knows who you are. And I, I just want to hug you and just cough on you a little bit. I'm just kidding. I, I, do, I would just love to hug you and say thank you for giving. Because you give your tithes and your offerings, because you come church on Sunday, we're able to exist as a church. So God bless you. I love you. Thank you so much. You just outdid yourself in 2017. So as we kind of land this sermonic plane this morning, I just still hear the words of Jesus ringing in my ear. That my mission is to seek and save the lost. Every church, every New Testament church, their mission is the same. It's to seek and save the lost. Or it's more memorably stated by Jesus in Matthew 28, 19, when he said, go and make disciples, right? It's the same thing. It's absolutely the same. It's just semantics. Making disciples, seeking, saving the lost, evangelism, missions, getting out there, leading people to Jesus, loving people to Jesus, going on mission with God. Call it what you want. It's the same. That is our driving passion. Our commander-in-chief gave us our orders. They're not ambiguous. They're not obfuscating. They're not confusing. They're very clear. You're going to heaven. A lot of people aren't. Go get them. That's it. You're going to heaven. Hey, you ought to tell yourself that sometime. You'd do a little Baptist jig. Some of you are like, I forgot about that. I forgot about that. I've been complaining so long. I've been upset for so long. I forgot I'm going to heaven. Are you really going to heaven? But anyhow, you're going to heaven. And you're like, wow, that's awesome. Who's going with me? Who's going with me? Who's going to heaven with me? <laughs> so our mission is no different than my good friend, Tim, Tim Hawks at uh, Hill Country. Or John Burke at Gateway. I love his new book. I'm reading. I don't agree with all of it, but I like it. Imagine that. I don't agree with anybody on anything except Jesus, all right? And that's, that's the way it should be. Their mission is the same. Go and make disciples. But Great Hills is different. We're, we're a different bunch. God just happened to put us in northwest Austin. Austin, one of the most affluent, educated places on the planet, Stephen. On the planet. You take a stone and you throw it, you'll hit PhDs right upside the head. It's amazing. <laughs> They're everywhere. And Great Hills Baptist Church, we're sitting right in the center of it. And I'm telling you guys, here it is. The down and out need Jesus and the up and out need Jesus. Everybody needs Jesus. And you and I are in this place for such a time as this, Esther 4.14, so that we might seek them See them saved, disciple them, grow them up in Christ, and then deploy them. What does that look like? Can I close this message with just a couple of, they're just like some Polaroid snapshots in my brain that I thought about. And here's, here's what it looks like. Deborah Howard, God bless you. I, I didn't ask for permission again to talk about you, but she sent our staff an email a couple of weeks ago and just talked about her as a first impression greeter a family came in their first time with their daughter who just moved into these apartments over here. And lo and behold, Deborah starts talking to the, these people are from California. Deborah's from California. These people are from the identical city in California as Deborah is. And she's like, you got to be kidding. I mean, and they're just hugging and laughing and talking. And she's going, welcome. 
to Great Hills Baptist Church. We're glad that you're here today. Kimberly Chase, I think it was Kimberly who invited somebody in, in work or somebody in the neighborhood, somebody. She invited, they came to church. They came just a couple of weeks ago, and James Cross, one of our beloved deacons, he went up to this lady and said, are, are you, are you, this may be your first time, I don't recognize you. And she goes, yes, Kimberly Chase invited me to come to your church, and I'm here today. And James goes and contacts Kimberly and says, guess what, your friend came, and I got to meet her. I'm just, do you know what that does to a pastor? Let me just tell you, it just lights me up. It just it gives me more joy than you could possibly imagine. That you are being outward, that you're inviting people, and people are coming, and when they come, they're loved on, and they're welcomed into the family of God. Ooh, man, that excites me. I got a couple more. My wife. My wife, I tell you, she's, I love her. You say, well, it's a good thing. That's right. She has her post at 1050 to 1130. She loves being a greeter down at Building C. Randy Robbins and, and Ashley Forshett, y'all are a dynamic duo. I mean, you, you, you can't dynamite y'all out of there. They are there, shaking hands, loving on people. So Ashley, she misses most of the, the worship. She gets in here about 1130. Some of y'all are like, where's the pastor's wife? She's out there greeting people. We were at Cracker Barrel the other day. Can I get an amen? Cracker Barrel. Oh, amen. Andy, cornbread, meatloaf. Hey, listen, I may be sick, but I can still eat. And this lady comes up to us, and she goes, can I take your order? And we're like, yeah. She goes, okay. She's like, we're like, whoa, something's not right. And I'm still feeling bad. I've felt bad for, since the holidays. I don't know what I've got, what's going on. I'm going to get well. Keep praying for me. But I'm just like, I'm moping around. I'm going over by the fireplace. Cracker Barrels has fireplaces. And I'm just sitting there loving on that fireplace. And my wife, I was watching her talk to this lady. She said, how are you doing? She said, I'm not doing too good. So well, tell me about yourself. I have two degrees from Auburn University. And um, somebody told me to move to Louisiana. They did, and they left me, and I'm here. I'm, I'm, I'm lost. I have nowhere to go. So my wife grabs her hand, man, and her and Leighton, Danielle. And I'm, I'm over there at the fireplace watching them. And they're just praying, loving on this lady. And then Ashley goes, gets money, and gives it to her. And, and they're just ministering to her. And as we leave... The Cracker Barrel um, uh, receptionist lady, she's having a holy hoot nanny. She's just like, wow, she's a Christian. She's like, wow. She runs over to us and says, thank you, thank you, thank you. She's homeless. She's homeless. And you're over there ministering to her and praying for her. God bless you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I could give a whole lot more examples. But that's what we all got to be doing. Seeking, saving. Kimberly, you with me? You're fired up. You're on it. You are on it. God bless you. She hasn't been saved long, but man, she is just like amazing. Witnessing to people out there in the parking lot, playing her music. Woohoo! come on in to Great Hills. You say, what do you think? Am I, am I supposed to be doing that? I'd leave James Cross. We'll let James do that. Let's let Kimberly do that. Let's let Ashley do that. Let's let Ross do that. But I, I'm, just, I'm just coming to church. I'm just happy to be here, Brother Danny. 
It took a miracle for me to get here. I, my wife and I, we about got after each other, hollering at each other, kicking the dog, hollering at the kids, and we came to church. Hallelujah, we made it. <laughs> it happens. And you get to church, you're going, guests, first-timers, people. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm supposed to. We are. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to come in these doors, and I don't feel good today. I just could not, not come. It's just good for us to be reminded this is our mission. Will we? Will we accept it? Let's pray together. It's 12 o'clock. Let's pray. We're going to pray and have our invitation. Can I just tell you again how much I love you, church? I'm so proud of you. I'm grateful to God for you. Not only for your giving and your serving, but just being you. Just the way you are sharing your faith. Now, Becky Dean sent out a missions report the other day. My land, we're all over the planet in 2018. I mean, we are everywhere, it seems. And that's because we're trying to do what Jesus did, and that's take the gospel to Austin and to the world, to the nations. You know, Jesus said, I've come to seek and save the lost. You go seek and save the lost now. I've come to make disciples. Now you go and make disciples, and I will not leave you alone. I will help you share your testimony. I will be with you when you invite your colleague to join you at Great Hills. You can do this. I will help you. Just be cognizant of it. Be aware of those around you that are hurting. Everybody needs encouragement, church. Everybody. Here lately in my own evangelism and in my witnessing, like the GNC store just a couple days ago, I, I shared with the young guy that worked there. I said, you know, everybody's dealing with something, aren't they? You know what? He did not disagree with me. He's like, sir, you're right. Everybody's doing, dealing with something. And I said, I just want you to know, that's why I'm here. That's why God put me on planet Earth, so that I could serve you and encourage you, whatever you're going through. And God cares. God loves you. Now, Great Hills Baptist Church, with your heads bowed and with your eyes closed, we can all do that, can't we? We can all at least say, can I pray for you? In all of my seven years of witnessing and evangelizing in Austin, Texas, everywhere I go, I've had one person be mean to me outside the church. I had a lot of people be mean inside the church, but I had one lost person be mean to me, and here's what she did. She said, no, thank you, I'm not interested, and walked off. And that was, that was about as bad as it got. Man, if Jesus can die on a cross... Least I can do is be rejected by somebody. Can I encourage you, church family, as we begin 2018, as we just reignite this vision, this purpose, this mission that God has given us, that we will be on mission with Him? Maybe you're here today and you'd say, I'm, Brother Danny, I, I'm really not a part. I'm not a part of God's family. I, I just came today. Somebody invited me. I'm one of those people you, you're talking about. I'm one of the Zacchaeuses. We're so glad you're here. No, I'm serious. We are thrilled that you came January the 7th, 2018. And we hope that you have found in us a church that opened her arms to you. And we know that you'll find a Savior who will open his arms to you.
If you'll do like Zacchaeus did and just say, hey, I'm sorry, God, I've, I've blown it. <laughs> Woo, I've blown it. Forgive me, I give you my life. If you'll do that, oh, my land. Watch what God will do in you. It's beautiful. He will save you. He will begin to work on you from the inside out. We will come alongside of you and help you and teach you and just encourage you. Oh, thank you, Lord. Others are here today and you'd say, well, I'm, this is what I need to be doing, Brother Danny. I, I need to be more intentional. Let me encourage you to do that. Some are here today. What is my next step? Well, we're going to start a brand new new members class. It's going to be a three-week class starting in February. Won't you come to that class and learn more about our church, learn more about evangelism, learn more about what we're about here. We'd love to have you. Some of you, this is a new year. It's a new day. You're ready to take a new step, and we want to help you, help you, help you. We want to see you grow and flourish to be that woman of God that God wants you to be, that student of God that God wants you to be, that man of God that God wants you to be. Father, thank you so much that you are a God of love, a God of compassion. You're not against us. You're for us, and you want us to thrive. You want us to be, you want us to be satisfied in you and to find all of our fulfillment in you. So help us, God. Long-time believers, long-time members, as well as brand-new baby Christians. God, we come, and we just tell you we love you. We want you to be in absolute control of our lives so that we can be the hands, the feet of Jesus, the voice of Jesus to the lady at Cracker Barrel, to the family that comes from California to Great Hills, to a colleague here in Austin. And Lord Jesus, when you're on our minds, we know you'll come out of our mouth. So help us just be staying on you, focused on you. Thank you for our church. Lord, thank you for what you have done at Great Hills. God, thank you for what you're doing. And Jesus, we praise you for what we believe is going to be a phenomenal 2018. And we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said a hearty amen and amen. Let's all stand up, sing to the Lord. This is our invitation song. And it's very uh, casual and low-key. If you have a need, you have something you want to talk about, pray about, we have pastors, we have people up here at the front. We'd love to meet with you, encourage you. So as our worship ministry leads us, why don't you come? Let us encourage you. Let us pray for you even now.